0: Shalom. This is Reverend John Ferrett, and I wanted to welcome you to this first video in a brand new series that we're going to be doing from our podcast site. This series is called Against the Gods, and in a little while, you'll see why I have chosen that title. Now, in this first lesson, we're going to focus in on Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth we're gonna wanna put it back into its historical context. In its historical context, who are the first ones, you might say the initial audience to actually hear Genesis 1-1? It's the Hebrews who are coming out of Egypt. Now, since they left in 1446 BC, that's almost 3,400 years ago. Now, as a Bible historian, it seems very likely that the Hebrews heard Genesis 1-1 in a far different way than we did. And it seems that God is going to be using Genesis chapter 1 to help reteach them, his people, about himself. Because for 400 years, roughly, The Hebrews, the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, were in Egypt. And it's fairly clear from the study of the Bible, especially going into Hebrew, that they assimilated into the Egyptian culture and they had taken on the gods of Egypt and the religion of Egypt and the culture of Egypt. So it's one thing to say that God can take the Hebrews out of Egypt. That's simple. However, it's another thing for God to work with his people, to work with Moses, to take Egypt out of Israel, to take that worldview, the false religion, the false gods out of his people and reestablish himself as the one God and the true God. So let's go see. And so, indeed, what I like to do before a lesson starts is I like to do a blessing, just like they did in Jesus' day. And so, I'm going to basically read this slowly in Hebrew, and you might be able to follow along and recite the words very closely after me. Baruch hata Adonai, Eloheinu melech haholam. Ashir Bakar Banu Mikol Hamim. Veinatan Lanu Etorto. Veinevuim atovim. Veinatan lanu etabasora mashiach yeshua. Veinatan lanu etabrit Hadasha. Buru Kata Arunai noten hadevre emet. And in English, blessed are you. O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from all people, given us His Torah and the good prophets and given us the good news of Messiah Jesus and given us the new covenant. Blessed are you, Lord, giver of the words of truth." So the Hebrews are at Sinai. For 40 years, the first generation out of Egypt, was in the wilderness of Sinai. They finally died out and was the second generation that was able to enter the land. But Moses is writing Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. And we have to ask ourselves, what did they hear? What did the Hebrews see? What did they understand? Is it? And then as we come to grips with that, that will help us enhance our understanding and enrich our understanding of God's Word. Now you understand why I named this series Against the Gods. Dr. John Kareed is a well-established, credible scholar, archaeologist, Egyptologist for that matter, a theologian, and he wrote a book, a number of books that he did was Against the Gods, and this If you can take a look at the book right underneath the word gods, it says a polemical theology of the Old Testament. And so Dr. Kareed suggests in this work that indeed God used a certain type of theology to reach his people. And the concept is a polemic. Here's some words quoting Dr. Kareed from his book. In the study of the relationship of the Hebrew religion and culture with the environment of the ancient Near East, one of the most neglected areas of research is what can be termed polemical theology. Polemical theology is the use by biblical writers, like Moses, of, thought, of the thought forms and stories that were common in ancient Near Eastern culture while filling them with radically new meanings. I like the idea that God was attacking, all right, the gods and the religion and mythologies of the ancient cultures of the Near East that his people were surrounded with, the pagan culture. Dr. Creed goes on to say, the biblical authors take well-known expressions and motifs from the ancient Near Eastern milieu and apply them to the person and work of Yahweh and not to the other gods of the ancient world. Polemical theology rejects, in other words, attacks, comes against any encroachment of false gods into orthodox belief. There's an absolute intolerance of polytheism. Polemical theology is monotheistic. We would say the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. In actuality, the word there is echad, which can mean the Lord is Our God, the Lord alone, there is no other one. So it is polemical theology, and it's monotheistic to the very core. And again, this is from uh, his book, Against the Gods. So we might say that indeed, a polemic is an attack against, you might say, those who are against us with a contrary worldview, a contrary religion, contrary gods. And indeed, when you take a look at the Oxford Dictionary definition of the word polemic, it's a strong verbal or written attack on someone or something. And so Dr. Creed would say, when we look at Genesis, when we look at the Old Testament, we're going to see much of this polemical theology in the Old Testament. And they get it. They understand it because it's part of their culture then. That's why we want to put Genesis 1-1 back into its historical context. Now, for the Hebrews, one of the things that they knew was the Egyptian creation myth. They knew this. And again, as I've mentioned, they probably assimilated into the Egyptian culture. And there were various creation myths. However, they all seem to have certain things in common, of which I'm going to give you those right now. In the beginning for the Egyptians. Everything was a formless deep. There was chaos without limits, and there was darkness. The Egyptians would say it was in chaos, water covered the world, um, deep oceans, and also the idea of total darkness. So out of that chaos, dry land starts appearing. And the dry land is called, the, of which we get the idea of pyramid. Ladies and gentlemen, pyramids definitely are tombs of pharaohs, but it has a lot to do with the creation myth, the Egyptians. This was a resurrection machine. This was a new life machine, just like new life started, new creation started, new world started in that chaos when the dry land started appearing. And the Egyptian mythology would say that dry land, when we look at pyramids, that's what that dry land was. And again, the the, uh, Egyptian word is Benben. We're looking at a Benben that was actually on top of a pyramid. It was the top stone of the pyramid. One of them was solid gold. This one is the top stone of the pyramid of Amenemhat. Pharaoh Amenemhat. Now, on that dry land, on that Benben, Amun makes himself. He all of a sudden said, hey, I didn't exist. So he makes himself. He separates the earth, which is the goddess Geb, and the sky, which is the god Nut. What's very interesting, though, when you actually get into the creation account, Amun creates nothing. And here we see that picture of the sky god Nut in an arch over the goddess Geb who is the goddess of the earth. One of the things that is part of the Egyptian mythology, the Egyptian mythology of the creation was out of this comes a cosmic order and it was called Maat. During the days of Moses, during the days that the Hebrews were in Egypt, Maat, the concept of order, harmony, things working well together, actually took the form of a goddess. And you can see Maat there on the left with her wings spread next to Amun Ra. So again, here's another picture of what that Ben Ben would have looked like. What's really fascinating, though, is this looks like dry land appearing after the Nile begins to recede after its flooding. Uh, It seems likely this is where the Egyptians really established their ideas about creation. So with regards to the Egyptian creation myth, is part of this. Pharaoh has to maintain order. Pharaoh has to go to all the temples, and that's why he has a priesthood, so that he will do the proper offerings, uh, the proper rituals in all the temples. And there were thousands of them up and down the Nile. And this was to maintain order. This was his main job. In other words, he serves the goddess Ma'at. This is how he is supposed to maintain order. Matter of fact, when we take a look at Egypt and we see, obviously, the green fertile land right next to the Nile, and we see the desert and the wilderness on either side, both west and east, the Egyptians then, 3,400 years ago, they call that land the land of chaos. In Egyptian, it was called Isfit. And it's not chaos like we know chaos. Chaos, Isfit, really is a concept that this is a place where life doesn't work well. So it's not necessarily chaos, but it's a situation where life doesn't work well. However, if you're living near the Nile, and you're living near those fertile fields, all the people would say, yes, this is a place where indeed life works well. There's unity, there's harmony. Things can work together for the good, and that was order. Pharaoh, his main job is to maintain ma'at, maintain order. What's really fascinating is this, chaos and order existed simultaneously in the Egyptian religion, in the Egyptian mythology. Pharaoh is in between chaos and order. Now, if he's successful, he will go to Egyptian heaven, and he would be able to have a tomb like a benben or a pyramid, where that he can dwell with Amun-Ra. Now, let's take a look at Genesis 1.1. Dr. Kareed would say that this is a polemic against Amun-Ra, which means the Hebrews would get this. So when we take a look at Genesis 1:1, is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You go on in Genesis chapter 1, and the earth was without form. The Hebrew word there is tohu and void. Bohu. So actually in Hebrew it'd be Tohu ve'bohu. bohu. Now the JPS Torah commentary in Genesis and also the um Torah commentary by Dr. John Kareed, they talk about Tohu ve Bohu. That phrase, which is used other places in the Bible, talks about the primordial chaos. And they actually use that word the disorder and chaos at the beginning. So the earth was without form and void. Tohu ve'bohu. This was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And actually, it's al, which means he moved above the waters. He moved above the chaos. What's interesting is, God created chaos. On top of that, the spirit of God is over the chaos. He's over the tohu bohu. This demonstrates in God's own wording that he is, he is all-powerful. He is control of the chaos. He made it. But out of chaos, starting with day one and day two, all the way through day six, God brings out a beautiful order out of chaos. This is the creator God. And so for the Hebrews or at Sinai or at the plains of Moab, before they enter into the land, we ask the question again, what did they hear? What did they see? Remember, They had assimilated into the Egyptian culture. To them, Amun-Ra, especially at the time of the Exodus, 1446 BC, that would be called the 18th dynasty of the new kingdom of Egypt. Amun-Ra was the primary god. And so many of the Hebrews coming out of Egypt, they knew this. And so when they're hearing Genesis 1-1 and the following words after that, it relates to them. Now, remember, it's easy to take them out of Egypt, but it's very difficult to take Egypt out of them. So in Genesis 1.1, the issue is not that God created the heavens and the earth. The issue is, who is God? Ra, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the God of the Bible. Let's take a look. God created, tohu ve'bohu, He created chaos. Amun-Ra came out of chaos. So who is God? The one who comes out of chaos or the one who created chaos and is over chaos and controls it? Obviously, in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1, we see that God is proclaiming himself as the all-powerful one, the one who controls all of nature. And Amun-Ra comes out of chaos? Hmm. God defeats chaos and brings order as we see that in the first six days. Amun-Ra has no power over chaos. In all of Egyptian religion, especially in those days, chaos and order existed side by side. The picture is Egypt. Remember that picture of the Nile River with the green fertile lands on either side, very close to the river, and then the wilderness of the Sahara Desert and the Sinai wilderness on the opposite side. Chaos existed, and Amun-Ra has no power over chaos. For us, God created all nature. He created the sun, the moon, all of the galaxies, all of the plants, all of the birds, all the animals, and man. Amun-Ra, he just created nature gods. Basically, he called the sky Newt. He called the earth Geb and other gods coming out of that. Alligator was a god. Amun-Ra god, Amun, is just creating gods. So Genesis 1-1 to them is a polemic against Egypt, against Egypt's gods, Pharaoh, and worldview. This is properly what the Hebrews saw and heard when they heard Genesis 1-1, as compared to what they knew about Amun-Ra. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 44, verse six, God really inspires Isaiah to really give us a truth statement that comes right out of Genesis 1-1. And in Isaiah 44-6, you can read, I am the first and the last besides me. There is no other God. And so for us too, the lesson of Genesis 1 1 still relates to us after 3,400 years. In the USA, here in the year 2020, we've experienced riots. Violent demonstrations, disorder, and the p- pandemic of the Chinese virus. And the evil and godlessness all around us. Some of us might have even ask, where's God? And we pray that he'd come to heal our land. And to restore the United States to a life of order and harmony. The way it used to be. Even if we disagree politically, it's not like that anymore. But now we've reconnected to Genesis 1.1. Our God, the only God, we can see he is the one that controls chaos. And he brings order. I think a great word to use at this point is shalom. Many of you realize that, or many of you would say that shalom means peace. Yes, it does. But Hebrew is a picture language, and it always has conceptual meaning. Hebrew words don't have a definition. They have conceptual meaning. The idea of completion, and so that in that completion, everything is in order, everything is in harmony, and you have peace. So indeed, God controls the chaos, and out of chaos, he brings shalom. And then he tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. The message to his people 3,400 years ago is also his lesson for us today. Indeed, Genesis 1-1 is a polemic. Then, as it is a polemic, now, Malachi 3 6, God makes a clear statement that He is God and He does not change. God is the same to the people in 1446 BC as He is today. Genesis 1 1 is a polemic against all man made gods, Genesis 1 1 is a polemic against all man made religions. Genesis 1-1 is a polemic against all those who reject God, reject his Messiah. So, indeed, until the next lesson in this series, I pray that may God bless you with his shalom. May God bless you with order and harmony and peace. Shalom.